music, you know it's time for On the Letter Side of Baseball. We're here at Wrigley Field for opening day. The Cubs, although they've played nine games and they're two and seven, have a good shot of winning their opener here at Wrigley and going on a nine-game homestand win streak. So we're going to tour around uh, Wrigley. We're going to tell you about lots of things that are featured here, and we're going to have a good time. Family, friends, and we are ready to roll with opening ceremonies and then the game, and then uh, we'll see where we're at when the game is over. We had a good meal at the Dark Horse down the street on Sheffield Avenue. Great place to spend your money before the game, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens here at Wrigley Field. But new, improved Wrigley Field, lots of amenities, lots of changes cleaned it up, expanded a lot of the concessions, have new seat numbers, but the same old seats, and we're ready for baseball. So when we're done with the game, we'll kind of wrap it up, and then we'll head to Sox Park tomorrow to check out their concessions and their uh, baseball against the Tampa Bay Rays, and we'll see if we can't talk with uh, a good friend of ours, Dwayne Stats, the play-by-play uh, -play on TV for the Tampa Bay Rays. So that's it for the opening. We're going to have a great day. It's like July weather here at Wrigley Field, and we are ready to go. The PA system's announcing the opening day lineups, and uh, we're ready for some baseball. So we, so we will talk to you guys soon, and uh, that's it. So that was our opening at Wrigley Field. The Cubs took the field, and John Lester pitched two innings before he got removed due to an injury, but he did get the key hit. Yes, sir, Bob, the major hit of the day. John Lester, when uh, Clint Earl decided to walk Jacob, Jason Hayward, and uh, wow, that was a big mistake. That led the, led the six-run inning and uh, numerous errors. I think uh, the second baseman or the third baseman, because of the goofy shift, set a record. And uh, the rest of it was uh, the horses out of the barn, man. I mean, they just scored a lot of runs, didn't get a lot of hits, and turned it over to a shaky bullpen who had given up an average of eight runs a game along with the starting pitcher. So uh, when they came in, you would have expected that lead not to be so spectacular, but the lead grew from six runs to eight runs to ten runs. And the bullpen with... Four pitchers going no more than two innings apiece. Managed to protect the shutout and give the Cubs their third victory of the year. So, you know, they looked pretty good. I think they were glad to get back to the friendly confines. The friendly confines are all cleaned up. The building across the street on Addison Street is all completed. Uh, that's the only thing I can figure out that's not owned by the Ricketts family in the whole neighborhood. And uh, by and large, it was a good opening day. The... Gates weren't very crowded coming in. It was not a full house, which is surprising. The attendance was under 40,000, which is surprising. It doesn't bode well for the Ricketts family, but you never know what will happen as the year goes on. But uh, you couldn't have asked for a nicer day. You could not have asked for a nicer day in June or July. I mean, it was beautiful. There wasn't that cold wind off the lake. The uh, temperature stayed in the ballpark between 65 and 70. And, you know, for us Cup fans, that's rare because there aren't more than a handful of days during the season that are as nice as the home opening weather was. But as we did yesterday going out to Wrigley Field, today we are heading to Guaranteed Rate Field on the south side of Chicago. We're going to take the red line 
uh, towards the 95th Street exit instead of the red line north to Howard. For any of you folks that are coming to Chicago, it's easy to get to both ballparks. Wrigley, take the red line towards Howard. White Sox, take the red line towards 95th Street. And either way, you're going to have a good day of baseball, north side or south side. We happen to be heading over to the ballpark today to see the White Sox take on the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, we're going to play a little clip from our experience on the south side, and then we're going to kind of give a little summary and get into the next couple of days on the lighter side of baseball. So while we do that, I'm going to take a short break, and when we come back from break, we're going to play a very short clip of uh, a bit of the day at Guaranteed Rate Field. Thank you. And that was the end of the game. So the Cubs are playing okay baseball. Their offense, everybody's excited about that. Their pitching is going to come around. They're going to be like in Wrigley Field and playing the Pirates, hopefully, for two more games, and then the Angels, who beat the Brewers yesterday. So anyway, all in all, we're going to kind of get back into uh, uh, the swing of things by going out to Guaranteed Rate Field. And when we do that today, that'll be our fourth field that we have visited this year. Kansas City for opening day in the rain. Uh, Miller Park for a slugfest 13-10 to 10 victory by the Brewers over the Cubs. Then we uh, were at Wrigley yesterday and we'll be at the Guaranteed Rate Park today. Yes, sir. What a great name. Guaranteed Rate Park with a big arrow pointing down. Hopefully the White Sox will turn that arrow upside down, right side up. And start playing baseball. They look terrible. Uh, Renneria ought to be in trouble pretty quick. Uh, but on the brighter side, they have a great farm system and a lot of prospects. And can those prospects become good players? We don't know. But what we do know is that we're going to look forward to walking around the ballpark, checking out the French fry stand and the rest of the ballpark, and see what's new and what's old and what works and what doesn't. And so... We've got a little clip from halfway through the game when we had already gone to the concession stands and sampled a bit of their cuisine. And uh, we're going to play that for you right now, and then we'll get back in uh, a few minutes after that with some comments on the White Sox and the Rays and uh, where we're going to go from there. So bear with us, and uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be back in a few minutes with just a short clip from our day at the Cell or Comiskey Park or Guaranteed Rate Field. Well, folks, Jamie Ritzke here on the lighter side of baseball. I'm here with my buddy Bruce. The uh, socks look as pathetic as most of the food was. I was a little disappointed with the concessions, although we did find Abe Froman and his Polska Kilbasa highlight. It would have fit a family of five. It was large. French fries, which Bruce and I have been waiting for for the entire year of 10 games old. Just cold, crummy fries. I mean, McDonald's is a five, and these guys were a one. But other than the bad performance of the White Sox and the Rays are looking pretty good. It's been a great day. Second beautiful day in Chicago out here at the guaranteed rate field, which should be called Comiskey Park, but it's not. Anyway... The White Sox look as listless as a score. 
another souvenir for the 500 fans. I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed that Bruce and I have yet to get any souvenir. Give us one <laughs> we might give me one. Bruce is hopeful. We didn't get a t-shirt. Now, on the positive, we didn't get six either, so the food was fine. But, I mean, I, this is a smaller crowd as I've seen since our days in Omaha. But uh, better things are ahead. Good farm system. Wait till 2025. This team could roll. That's it for now. We'll catch up to you later. folks we uh we stayed for most of the game i can't say we saw the final the white Sox rallied back to cut the lead to eight to five they had the bases loaded with two out in the eighth inning and uh three and two count on the pitcher and he swung and missed at ball four it was a foot outside that would have made it eight to six would have put the tie and run in the scoring position the lead run on and the uh go ahead insurance run at the plate but that didn't happen uh, the Sox gave up a couple runs in the ninth inning, and the Rays rallied for a couple more, and the final score was 10-5 to in favor of the visiting team. So there you have it. Uh, so let me highlight where we've been so far. We first went to Kansas City where it rained for two and a half hours, and to the credit of the organization, they're giving vouchers to anybody that bought a ticket for opening day, even though they played. Then I traveled to Miller Park, to watch the Cubs get clobbered by the Brewers and Kane and the rest of that team uh, are the real deal. Yelich is on fire. He and Mike Trout are off to the races on who's going to win the MVP in the American League. And the rest of the Brewers hold in there. The uh, pitching isn't so great for the Brewers, but the pitching was worse for the Cubs. But I did have the opportunity to do a little podcast, and that's episode number 13, if you're counting with my good friend Craig Kashan, and that was awesome. Then we headed to Wrigley Field on what may have been the nicest weather day I've ever sat at the friendly confines. There was no cold wind blowing in off the lake. There was no shivering. It was a sunny day. The crowd was less in capacity, but nonetheless a spirited crowd as the, the Cubs went on to win that game by a large margin. And uh, unfortunately, John Lester strained his hammy, and he is going to miss a start or two and probably three in my opinion. But uh, that's just my opinion. Madden thinks he'll miss at least one, maybe two. But he says, and God love Joe, I mean, he is the master of optimism. Uh, Tyler Chatwood will probably step into the role of pitching on the next turn for Lester. So, Hold on to your seats, folks. Hopefully the magic in the friendly confines are going to continue to work. As I said, I'm hoping for 80 more wins at home. That would be 81-0. And is that realistic? I think it is as a Cub fan. So then, after watching the entire game at Wrigley Field, which is an oddity for me, we then, along with my buddy Bruce, ventured over to guaranteed rate field, not to be confused with the cell, not to be confused with cellular field or Comiskey Park, but guaranteed rate field. And the White Sox looked about as lethargic as any team could look through the first seven innings, and then we left. And why did we leave? Because the score was 8-2, to two, I think. 
and uh, the, it wasn't that close. It wasn't that close at all. And so, so it was a beautiful day, two days in a row. What can you ask for? But we decided to hop on the red line and head north. Now, by the time I got back home, a short distance from the cell or the rate or whatever we call it, uh, the Cubs had the bases loaded and were trailing 8-5. to five, And as I described, the batter struck out with the bases loaded and that ended the eighth inning, which ultimately led to three up, three down in the ninth, and that ended the game. So having said all that, what especially was disappointing, besides the crowd that was less than what we used to see when we owned the Omaha Royals, um, you know, and man, oh man, that's that's got to be depressing. I don't care if it's the daytime, the nighttime, it's April, but it's a beautiful day. And yeah, the kids are in school, but man, you still ought to draw ten or 15,000. I don't know what they claim they had, but they didn't have 5,000 people in the ballpark. They had 5,000 vendors, and those vendors apparently were not on top of their game because we stopped at the much-heralded French fry stand, which they claimed was a stand totally devoted to French fries, but it also had donuts. I should have gone with the donuts and not the French fries because the donuts looked incredibly great. The French fries, now, I guess they could have made those French fries yesterday since the homestand has been going on for a while, but they, they give you a bowl, plenty of French fries, they have lots of different toppings. It's an exotic list of different things you can get for French fries. And okay, I'm obsessing a little bit on the French fries, but I was really looking forward to them, having heard the White Sox promotion people talking about this French fry stand uh, during spring training. So that was the first place Bruce and I headed to. And I got to tell you, mucho disappointing uh, with those French fries. They were close to not being edible, but I did manage to finish them off. Then, uh, you know, it was between the Polish sausage, the bratwurst, and the kielbasa at a stand named after the famous line in Ferris Bueller. And so that stand provided us with a... Bruce got the bratwurst, I got the Polska kielbasa, and they were a foot long, and you could easily have cut that into four different dogs, and uh, nobody would have cared. So that was a pretty good deal for 10 bucks. Other than that, I think because of the small crowd early in the season, uh, there were certainly no lines, but there was certainly no great food that I came away with. Now, let me just say this. Sports Service is a concessionaire on the lower bowl of the uh, guaranteed rate field. Those guys are awesome. They're out of Buffalo, and it's part of Delaware North Corporation. And Louis Jacobs founded that company, and he was known as the godfather of sports because he would pretty much be the only concessionaire that was willing to come in and, and uh, uh, sell food and drinks to the crowds in the 50s who we all know were certainly under a million a year. They've expanded, but they also have lots of competition. A lot of teams try to do their own concessions. A lot of teams go with other concessionaires that aren't nearly as good. But I'm always defending sports service. Those guys are great. We had them in Omaha, and uh, we can do a whole show on sports service, but we're not going to. At any rate, I'm going to give my buddy a call, who's the president of sports service, tomorrow, and uh, we'll see what he has to say about cold french fries. I'm sure he's going to dispute it, but by God, you can't dispute it. It wasn't very good, but hopefully by May and June and July, when the crowds hopefully pick up, the uh, food will get better. So, and I know it will, because generally speaking, their theme is serve hot hot dogs and cold beer, and everything else takes care of itself. So there you have it. 
Not a really great day for eating, not a great day for watching baseball, but it was a great day for sitting outside enjoying the weather with a good friend. So, for Jamie Rinsky on the lighter side of baseball, I'm going to take a little break here. I'm going to go to dinner with Dwayne Stats, one of my favorite announcers of all time. I'm really excited about that. And uh, we're going to talk a little baseball, we're going to talk a little wine, and we're going to talk a little bit about my good friend Dave Nelson, who in 1988 teamed with Dwayne Stats as the voices on the radio of the Chicago Cubs, which included the first night game on August 8th, 1988, which incidentally was washed out, and uh, the first real night game the next night, August 9th, 1988. So Dwayne... It has been a great announcer from that point forward, and I'm looking forward to getting to talk to him and catching up with him. So that's it. We'll be back with a review from our dinner at Harry Cares, if anybody Harry cares. <laughs> and that's it, folks. That's light, and that's the lighter side of baseball for a little while. And uh, we'll be back later to bring you up to date on Dwayne's stats. So uh, later it is, folks, and uh, we've got just a little bit to wrap up this first uh, podcast of the regular season. Actually, it's probably the second podcast of the regular season, but it follows our dinner at Harry Carey's. The dinner, if anybody really cares, was (laughs) really good, and uh, Dwayne and I managed to talk to each other for three and a half hours during uh, appetizers, drinks, dinner, and uh, after-dinner drinks, and I'm not sure... Either one of us listened to what the other one said, but uh, we both had a good time talking, and we plan to get back together and talk some more. When the Rays come to Kansas City uh, in uh, late April and early May, we plan to be out at uh, the K for some of that. So this is kind of a wrap-up to the first week, and uh, we're going to follow that up with a podcast that will kind of bring you up to speed through uh, almost the third week of baseball What's really gone on that's amazing to me is that nobody has signed Craig Kimbrell. If the Royals had signed Kimbrell, they'd be in first place. If the Red Sox had signed Kimbrell, they'd be in first place. If anybody had signed Kimbrell, they'd be in first place. And all all in all, it's kind of like a head-scratcher. Why is nobody picking up this guy? He wins. His whip, which is a little bit of sabermetrics that I believe in, is career below one. This guy's a, it's a no decision. So you, if you're going to spend $130 million on Acuna with the Braves or whatever he signed for, an extension baseball, uh, why in the world are you not getting Kimbrel? Oh, my goodness. Or $55 million for Hendricks. Get Kimbrel. Cubs could get Kimbrel, and they'd be in first place. I don't get it. It's, it's a no-brainer. And what really adds to the mystery is that Forbes magazine just came out with the 2018 assessment of which teams made the most money. And as you might guess, the Dodgers were in first place, the Yankees in second place, I believe the Cubs in third. Now, we'll go back and look at this in a little more detail, but... These guys are all making money. The The biggest surprise, probably, not to me because I've had lunch with the owner of the White Sox, and he's told me this before, but the White Sox just kicked But in terms of their profit. They had a low payroll, and they made a ton of money, and the rest is history. Good way to operate. That's what they're in business for. They're not in business necessarily to put a winning team on the field. 
Those guys are in business to win money. And oh, by the way, if you can win money and win the game and a World Series, that's great. But it's a head-scratcher as a really what's the motivating factor in some of these teams. And and the most head-scratch for me are the Royals. Uh, here you've got a fan base that would easily be between 2.5 and, and 3 million people a year that would come into the ballpark. They're going to get a new TV contract. The money's out there. And that's why I guess it shouldn't be a head-scratcher that David Glass keeps the team. But spend the money and get a team that is up to sp- at least over the minimum of the uh, major league or the average of the major league. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that. It, it, it's sort of a frustrating deal. And we'll talk about some of the, sp- the pace of play, whether it's faster or slower. We'll talk about who's gotten off to a hot start, who hasn't gotten off to a hot start, who are the uh, good hitters, the bad hitters, and all of that stuff. So we're going to wrap this podcast up. I guess this is 13A. I'd call it 13A. We might call it 14. But on the next podcast, we're going to call it whatever it is and start with some of the numbers that we have not uh, paid good credence to, and that would be number 14, Ernie Banks, number 14, Gil Hodges, number 13, Ozzie Guillen, uh, number 14, Belton Bill Melton of the White Sox. We're going to catch up a little bit on some of the other action around the the world of sports and uh, in particular baseball since uh, that's it. So from our studios in Kansas City, Jamie Ritzke saying have a great day, have a great viewing evening of Major League Baseball and we'll talk to you guys soon.